Welcome to the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. Living a Life Unleashed podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Bishop. Hey, thanks for tuning in. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. I'm so glad that you guys are hanging out with us because the goal of this podcast is really to equip you to live a life that is unhindered and unleashed. And I pray that something you hear compels you to take action, to play full out and really live fully into who you were created to be. And hey, when you listen, please leave comments and feel free to email me at Lisa Bishop at livingalifeunleashed.com if you have a topic you'd love discussed on the show. Well, before we dig into our show today, I have a question for you. Is there anyone listening that thought their lives would have turned out differently? Maybe you had a timeline or a dream that's been seemingly delayed or diverted, or life is just not what you thought it should be? Well, on today's show, my friend and author, Lynn Moyer, is here to talk about her new book, City of Lights, letting go of what we think life should look like so that we can discover even more. And I think this topic is one that we can all relate to. Well, a little bit more about Lynn. She is also the founder and CEO of Illuminate Marketing. She's an international speaker and award-winning strategist for churches, small businesses, and nonprofits. And she's passionate about speaking on behalf of those who don't have a voice, leveraging influence with purpose, and living a lifestyle of hospitality. She and her hubby, Matt, and their pup, Bear, he gets a shout out to, live in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, Lynn, hey, welcome to the show, girl. It's good to be chatting with you this morning. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad that we get to hang out, and I feel like it's been forever because we used to sit down over mm-hmm. like face-to-face coffee in mm-hmm. Chicago, which as a side note, you guys, how, like most ho- horrifying story ever for me, this was several years ago, Lynn, when you and I kind of were first getting to know each other, Right. and I used to go to Whole Foods every morning for my coffee, which by the way, you guys, I'm much more frugal these days, and I make my coffee at home, <laughs> but anyway, I walk into Whole Foods as usual. And I'm actually there to get coffee and get my oatmeal. And Lynn, I just happened to see you at the coffee bar. And then we say a quick hello. And I, you know, flutter by, grab my oatmeal, head to the office. And I think it was like an hour or so later, you emailed me. And you're like, hey, are we still meeting? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And it it dawned on me. I was like, oh, my gosh, we'd actually set up a meeting that morning at Whole Foods. And I just thought it was a coincidence that I ran into you. I'm thinking, what the <laughs> Well, the funny thing is you were planning on getting your oatmeal at the same time we were planning on meeting. And then when you walked by me and you went to the back of the store, I thought, well, maybe she's going to pick up something for us, maybe some pastries or something. Maybe she's coming right back. Oh, and no. then after a while, I thought she might not be coming back. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's I'd like totally spaced. I mean, talk about unintentionally standing someone up. But Lynn, <laughs> you were so gracious. I was mortified. But you still love me and we've had many lunch and coffee dates since so mm-hmm. thanks for loving me even though I'm such a goofball has anybody ever <laughs> done that like you just completely I don't know I missed a meeting the other morning at 6 30 a.m and then I strolled into the office a little bit later and one of the guys is like hey were you sick this morning I'm like what are you talking about and then it dawned on me so I don't know what's going on but <laughs> we anyway, have all been there we have all been there thank you for making me not feel like I'm alone well how are you sister I see you on Facebook these days and life look just looks so full for you what what have you been up to 
Yeah, life is full. It's been great. Um, we are living in Atlanta, Georgia now, so a little bit different weather-wise than Chicago. Yeah. Um, even right now, I'm just looking outside and it's sunny and warm and I'm thinking, part of me is thinking this is really beautiful and I'm really, really blessed to be here somewhere so warm. And the other part of me is like, Am I ever going to get to wear my cute boots ever again? Oh, no. You can come to Chicago, visit me, and you can wear your boots. Perfect. Can't wait. <laughs> Best of both worlds. You can visit me in February. Love it. Uh, but yeah, life is great. We've really been investing in the church down here um, in our neighborhood. And yeah, I think that's that's why so recently just I have this this phrase of living a lifestyle of hospitality, because for some reason, ever since I've moved down here, you know, the Southern hospitality and, and all of that is very common, but just lo really looking into scripture and looking at my life to say, what does it look like to make hospitality, not just a dinner party, but what does it look like to make hospitality, a lifestyle, a lifestyle of inviting people in wow. and, and bringing them into the fold, into the church, but also just into my family, into my life, into, um, you know, into, into the real world of, of, dinner parties with um, my friends or just having dinner with my husband or whatever it might be. So what do you think has been kind of the distinction that you've discovered in what hospitality is or isn't compared to what you might have thought, I don't know, a year or two years ago? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that when it comes to hospitality, it's really common for us to think of it as a pursuit of, in some ways, perfection, when God really wants us to pursue people. Wow. So I think um, when we revisit hospitality through the context of what it was originally meant to be, it's pursuing people and it's pursuing their heart and um, getting into their lives much more than doing something impressive or, or hosting a nice looking table. That is so good because I'm just even thinking my house is not Martha Stewart. And so <laughs> I have this kind of thing that it has to be in order to have the highest level of hospitality. But I love that you said that it's about, what did you say? It's about, it's not about what it's yep, about. It's yeah, it's a pursuit of people, not perfection. Mm. And the funny thing about not having, I mean, we have a two bedroom apartment. We probably live in 900 square feet, so we don't have a lot of space, but it's really about letting people into our hearts as much as it is our home. Wow. And I love that because that's actually one of the themes of your book, which, by the way, I had no idea you wrote a book until we emailed a few weeks ago. So right. thanks for the copy. I love the cover of it. It's so pretty. <laughs> thanks. And I did read it. It's so fabulous. I loved everything that you wrote in there. And I love what your website says about the book, that City of Lights is an invitation to let go of what we think our lives should look like so we can discover even more. And I just think that that is such a good and provocative statement. And so I'm curious if you would just share with our listeners, what, what led you to write a book about letting go and mm -hmm. discovering more? Yeah, absolutely. So I think what led me to write the book specifically, and you'll, you'll see when you kind of when the readers will read through the different parts of the book and kind of see the full journey. But I was really invited onto this um, experience that I wasn't expecting at all, living life alongside a homeless community. And I mean, that wasn't really anything that I had intended on doing. Um, and then once I was in the midst of it, I realized this is such a powerful, incredible journey that I have to share it. And that's really what compelled me to write the book is I started seeing so much about God's character and the way that he feels about each and every one of us and the way that we're meant to live. And I thought, 
these are tidbits that the Holy Spirit is giving me that I am now responsible for sharing. Um, so that's really what, what had me write the book. But I think even before that, um, just pursuing, you know, the corporate lifestyle and pursuing knowledge and pursuing, um, even just pursuing pursuit itself, um, was really the way that I had mapped out my life and my future. I had like specific benchmarks I wanted to hit and I wanted to be a certain place by a certain time and all these other things. And I think we really, um, you know, glamorize and glorify goal setting. But when I took a step back and I made people my focus, it was such a better way to live and it was such a more powerful way to live. Um, and so that's really the premise of the book. Wow. I love that. Can I, can I read an excerpt of your book? Would you mind if I Please, do that for our listeners? Sure. So this just got me hooked right in the beginning. It's chapter three and um, I'm going to read a, a little bit. So hang with me, you guys, but it's really good. Um, Lynn, you say every morning I got up early for work at a corporate marketing job that was slowly draining the life from my eyes. And after work, I stayed out late at bars with friends and colleagues chasing relaxation and escape. Then I'd fall into a restless sleep from exhaustion and do it all over again. The party life promised fun and fulfillment, but only brought me drama and heartbreak. I was being continually promoted at work and on the fast track to becoming an executive. It wasn't long before senior leadership tapped me on the shoulder to manage a multi-million dollar private label business. It was an amazing and rare opportunity for someone of my age and limited experience. The moment I arrived was one I'll never forget. I was on the top floor of the executive wing of a part of the building I had once seen as unreachable while presenting to a packed boardroom of executive leadership with the Chicago skyline staring back at me through the windows. I remember thinking how completely passionless I felt. I'd made it, but I was miserable. It wasn't until I made it to the top of the summit that I realized I hated the mountain. Ooh, that's so good. Recognition, exposure, and money. I began to see this trap for what it was, never ending and never enough. I then arrived at the discouraging and overdue conclusion that I would never have a meaningful life with these meaningless goals. That is so poetic and brilliant mm. and provocative. And tell us a little bit more about that. And you, you talked a little bit about it a, a minute ago, but so you're, and you're, you're very successful by all means now, but it, it sounds like in success in life is not a bad thing. It's just, mm -hmm. what are we pursuing? Are we pursuing success or is success of the outcome of pursuing something even bigger and better, especially as it relates to what, you know, what God desires for us and for others? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, I think thriving is a great thing. It's the question just becomes, what is the purpose and the goal of our thriving? Is it just for the sake of thriving and that's it? Or is it for a higher purpose, a higher calling? Um, and so I think what, what I learned through this journey up to the top of the mountain, and then I realized that I didn't even like to be there once I arrived. Um, it ended up being a blessing because I'm glad I arrived as soon as I did to see that I didn't like it. I could have spent the next 20 to 30 years still trying to climb up that mountain. And I'm glad that I was young enough to somehow get there soon enough to realize that that's not how I wanted to spend the remainder of my life. Um, but again, I think it was that pursuit and that chase toward quote, greater things, but it wasn't until I let go of those greater things that I actually found the greater that like silver lining of life. It was the hidden future that God had planned for me and much better than what I had tried to find on my own. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that journey. And you mentioned the homeless community and, and we don't want to give away too much of the book. You guys, you need to, you totally need to buy this book. I think, is it released yet? 
I know you yes. gave me. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you can get it on Amazon. Again, City of Lights, uh, Lynn Moyer. We'll talk a little bit more that about it at the end of the show. But so tell us just a, a little bit about that, finding something even better, like in people wondering, well, what does that even mean? Or how do I even go about beginning to think about that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I think it's, it's dialing back to your original, your original purpose and your calling. So just taking a look at, and that's why living a life unleashed is such a powerful theme. And, um, and I just love what you're doing, Lisa. So I'm, again, I'm just so grateful to even be here. Um, but I think one of the things about living that life unleashed and figuring out what's that calling, what's that purpose from my perspective is saying, what does it look like for me to be fully alive in the giftings that God has given me? What does it look like for me to give back to him what he's already given to me and to live a lifestyle of pursuit of people? Um, and so, you know, when I look at the, the, um, the different things I was chasing in my past, the, the corporate, the success, the, all of that, um, I think what I realized at the end of the day is that those goals were never going to, to lead to a meaningful life. What would lead to a meaningful life is to pursue giving back to the creator that had ultimately given me any opportunity in the first place to be breathing Mm, alive, you know, everything that we are. So, um, yeah, really just pursuing, um, what God has for my life and what God cares about most is people. He cares about people. He cares about us. And so making that my focus really changed everything. I love it. And you know what? It's, I've been working on that more and more. And I think there are maybe even several times in our life that we kind of question, am I on the right path? Am I, you know, what am I meant to be doing? But it really is. We have to practice being silent and creating enough margin in our lives to even maybe realize it Mm -hmm. and be willing to, as you said, and you did let go. I think we're so afraid because we maybe have the scarcity mentality or, you know, I can't let go of this relationship or I can't let go of this job or whatever it is, even though Mm -hmm. there is kind of a nagging or a nudging by the Holy Spirit to step out and maybe try something else. It's, it really is a, it really is kind of a trust follower, a faith walk as we do that. Would you say? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of like saying, what does it look like to stop running? So what does it look like to stop running? Even let's say like this coming weekend, you say, what does it look like for me to stop, to stop running and to look up and to look around. I guarantee you there's a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, a maybe even someone in your household that really needs to connect and really wants to do life alongside of you, maybe even in a more genuine way. But when we're constantly running ahead, we don't look around and see who's around us. We just keep running toward that finish line. And I think it's just what you said. It's it's the pause, it's the margin, it's slowing down enough to say I don't want my whole life to pass me by and miss the most important things that I'm supposed to be, that I'm supposed to be accomplishing here. That's awesome. And I think too, we're so focused on me and my career in this. And I I just love, and I want to hear just, maybe you can even share a little bit of the story of, you know, how you have made people more of the focus, but I, we often put ourselves first and gosh, you know, even in God's word says, love the Lord, your God with all your heart and your mind and soul and love others as you love yourself. And so, you know, oftentimes we think giving our time away or, you know, being inconvenienced is being inconvenienced, but it, it really, I've found when I do create that margin and when I Mm -hmm. do kind of, I am more aware and present to people around me and really being with them and not making them like, I got to check that off the box or even cramming a schedule so much where I have so many things going on that I'm going from person to person and I can't really be fully present with mm-hmm. that person and you know hearing their needs and 
and being able to respond to them. But that, you know, when we, when we do give our life away rather than trying to accumulate more for our life, it, it's, it's so counterintuitive, mm-hmm, absolutely. But, right? But there's so, it's so much more life-giving. Mm-hmm. Right. And the, the gifts that you get are so unexpected. One of my favorite chapters in the book is called Inconvenient Love. Um, and the reason that I love that chapter so much is it basically kind of details that my husband and I were going to go on this special date night. We had had it planned for a long time and I was scheduled to leave to go and travel to be out of town for a while that very next day. So we showed up to, you know, go to this date and we got dressed up and everything. And right before we headed out, I needed to grab a couple things. So I actually went over to Target with, with Matt. We grabbed a couple things that I needed. And then we were on our way to the checkout, to the register. And a man approached us and said, you know, I'm, I'm homeless. I'm looking for a place to spend the night, you know. And the first thing he asked us is, can I use your cell phone? And so we said, yes, of course, you know, that's easy. And we're kind of thinking, you know, we're in a hurry, but we want to let him use our phone and whatever, thinking, well, this will be a very easy fix. We can, you know, help him out and move on. It's like kind of that Christian mentality of like, we'll bless him and we'll go on to our plans. Right. And what ended up happening is uh, he did use our cell phone. He made the phone call. No one answered. And so then we kind of found ourselves responsible for this guy right in front of us. And he basically said, you know, I need a meal. I need a, a place to stay. I need all of this. And so it was just so interesting to me, though, because we were inconvenienced, so to speak, because we had this date night planned. And now here was this man standing in front of us with a need. But it's so funny how God works, because this was after a year, maybe later after Matt and I started living life along the homeless community. And what is the chance that out of the whole store of Target, this guy would walk directly up to us, probably the only people that knew all of the shelter admission times, where he could go, where all the locations were, which ones were by public transportation. It was just really I mean, God is so, he's so funny sometimes the way that he works. And so, um, long story short, we ended up saying yes to this opportunity. It's like God asks us to do something. And what we always want to do is just to say yes. And Mm. if we do say yes, just that, that first, yes, he'll take care of the rest of the details. We don't have to try and do anything, but it's that first surrender of the word. Yes. I think that, that makes such a difference because we ended up spending the rest of our evening with this young man, getting him to where he needed to go, getting to know him better. And I just thought, you know, this was so much more romantic and fun and life-giving than going out to dinner. This was such a a better way to spend our time. And, you know, this is the way that we want to live our lives. So how easy is it for us to make a statement like, yes, that's how we want to live our lives. But then when somebody approaches us and we have somewhere else to go, it's very easy to just say, you know, I'm sorry, I don't have time. But those are the the windows into the life that we actually want to be living. And all we have to do is say yes. And I love that we have to be awake and aware enough to see the opportunity for the yes. And that, I mean, that extends that you've, you've invested your life in the homeless community, which I think is amazing. And that may not be everyone's, you know, path and that may not Mm -hmm. be where they invest, but I, I love this concept of, you know, am I aware enough again of the opportunities that God is bringing into my path to Mm -hmm. say yes to him? Because a yes always is it, it, can be inconvenient, but it always leads to something better than we could ever hope for or imagine. But it is this element of like letting go of my plan, mm-hmm. <laughs> surrendering in the moment, being aware enough, present enough, and then that yes, I, I absolutely, I love that. absolutely. And like you even just said, you know, serving the homeless is was not the purpose of of my writing the book, and I don't think it's everyone's calling to live life in a homeless community. 
However, I do think it's everyone's calling to love their neighbor mm -hmm. and the neighbor might look a lot of different ways. It might be, um, you know, like I was just thinking, uh, in John 15, uh, 13, I was looking at this even this morning before we chatted, Lisa, just how it says greater love has no one than this, that they would lay their life down for their friends. And it's like, man, friends is such a, a broader spectrum than we probably give it credit for because friends can be neighbors and strangers and maybe even enemies or people that can't or won't love us back. And so I think when we're able to, um, you know, first lay down our lives for God, then laying our lives down with these little yes moments here and there for others becomes so much easier. And it becomes so life-giving because, He's already loved us. That's why we laid down our lives in the first place, right? And so now we get to do that on a daily basis for other people. And how much pleasure and happiness that must give him. Yeah, and it's really freeing for ourselves because if, I think even times that a cure for anxiety or depression is to go out and bless the socks off of someone else. We get our mm -hmm. minds off of ourselves. Tell us a little bit, and you, you have already talked about what you've learned in the process and as you've written this book, what, what are some other things through the writing process that you discovered about yourself or in ways that you grew? Mm -hmm, absolutely. Well, I ended up, um, so I've never written a book before. And I, again, that wasn't really the goal originally. That was kind of, it's kind of just started with writing down these miraculous things that happened. So again, in the chapter, uh, it's called perfect timing, but it talks about all these crazy things that keep happening with perfect timing, where I would have two things in the fridge, let's say food wise, and then two people that I've never even talked to before, or have never asked me for anything before asked for two things, things like that, where it's just, man, the provision was so on point. Um, but I think one of the things that I really loved about, um, writing was that it really helped me process everything and it helped me it helped me see the way that God had been working all along. So it's, it's one thing to journal every day, which I try and do and to write down those special God moments or those miracles in our lives. And I try and do that so that I can kind of build this altar, so to speak, in Evernote, you know, and go back and read it over time, um, as an encouragement, as a reminder. Um, but I think, man, how great is it to, to write everything down and then to be able to go back and read it almost, almost in order to see God's hand weaving through our lives and providing not just for us, but for everybody that we come in contact with. Right. And that brings to mind for me journaling too. I don't know how many of you listening journal, but it's been such a fruitful time when I do journal because there is something that it just sticks more and there's processing and you get to go back to it and see how God has been working in our lives. And that mm -hmm. is, that's an encouragement Powerful. too. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then you, I know I, you know, I've had several authors on the show and I just, I say every time I think, Oh my gosh, I just marvel that there's all this information that puts two to three to 400 pages together in book form. So mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think it takes a lot of discipline and it's quite stunning actually. Right. What, tell us a little bit of, you talk about your faith in the book and I'm curious to know, how did your faith grow as a result of your experience? And, and what did you learn about God through writing this book too? Mm -hmm. So I think my faith grew throughout the book because, um, or throughout the writing of the book and just the experiences in general, because 
it was, it was that act of letting go. So yes, I let go when I accepted Jesus into my life. That was the best decision that I've ever made. Um, and prior to that, I did consider other things. I did research other religions. I did, you know, and finally, when I was able to accept that Jesus really was who he said he was, that he really is Lord and Savior, um, that's when I was really set free. And so for me, that was the first letting go because I didn't fully understand everything. Of course, how can we, right. but I didn't, I didn't ever understand everything, but I was still willing to say, I don't need to understand everything. I'm going to let go and I'm going to have faith that you are who you say you are and that you'll take care of me. So that was the first letting go. But then I was surprised, which probably a lot of the listeners are as well that walk this journey, how many other letting goes there needed to be even after that. So you think, (laughs) okay, great. Like, you know, I've done the letting go. It's like, oh man, no, that is actually just the beginning of a whole lifetime of letting goes. Um, And so I think that's what, uh, that's why the, the tagline of the book is what it is because I think that that's really the key, just that continual willingness every morning to wake up and to let go. It's, it sounds scary and it sounds like we're losing control, but really we're getting so much freedom from that. It's like almost a, a secret freedom that God gives us when we're willing to let go. And I think that was the biggest way I grew in my faith through all of this was to say, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm, you know, good to go and I've got it all together. This is a lifestyle of letting go and I need to do it each and every day. Wow. I like that. A lifestyle of letting go. Letting go is just not a one time occurrence. So what practically would you say that looks like, or if someone says, you know, how do I even start doing that? I mean, something mm-hmm. that I, mm-hmm. something that I think about is just saying, you know what, Lord, what am I holding on to that you're asking me to let go of? And really even asking that question can be scary because God's going to answer, but we have to remember that he is so trustworthy and the plan that he has is so much greater than we could ever even imagine. So maybe it's mm-hmm. just a, a matter of, you know, even Psalm 139, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Like what, you know, help me to let go of the things that I'm holding on to that are just not beneficial and actually keeping me from leaving, li- living a life unleashed and living and playing full out the mm-hmm. way that you created Absolutely. me to. Yep. And, and I don't know if you've talked about this yet, Lisa, but man, it's like one of the things that I see even just around me and my friends, my family, just the relationships that I'm in in my life is that there are so many things that are keeping people from living that life unleashed. And they're all things that, that they have control of. So I guess what I mean by that is, I don't know if you're familiar with the Henry Cloud book, Necessary Endings, but I would highly recommend it to any of the listeners. Um, The premise of the book is basically saying, if God is continuing to call you into something greater or something different, but you continue to not let go of something that needs to become a necessary ending, a chapter that needs to end or a season that needs to end, or maybe a relationship or a job or a situation that you really feel like God is asking you to let go of, but you're kind of just hanging on still. It's just amazing to me how many times those endings that are ignored are really the, it's kind of like keeping back from the catalyst that would catapult you into that next level. So, um, yeah, just, I think that's one of the tangible things that we can do is like you said, Lisa, just through the Holy spirit, just let God evaluate, seek, and to know what in your life do you need to let go of? What ending needs to take place so that another fresh beginning can, can live and and grow. Um, and I think another pretty tangible thing for us to think about is how can we create that margin? Like you were talking about Lisa earlier, how can we create, you know, not a meeting back to back to back all day long, but how can there be that hour every now and then, or even that 90 minutes every now and then to say, 
I'm going to be open to whatever God wants to do in the next 90 minutes. And I don't know what it is, but I'm going to, you know, go here or, or walk here or even just sit at home. And I'm going to be totally open to how God wants to use this next 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, you think about God giving us an entire lifetime, we can give him 90 minutes. Right. Right. I love that. That is so, yeah, I'm just actually still chewing on that. It's so good. Necessary endings. I have a journal that actually the cover says she saw every ending as a new beginning. Yes. And sometimes we do look at that closed door for so long and dwell on it rather than Mm -hmm. seeing, and we've kind of heard that analogy before, you know, when one door closes, another one opens, but it's, it's true in God's economy. There are no, like he's always opening a door trying to get our attention, but are we going to let go of what is in front of us. And I, th- I think the question that some people might be asking themselves right now is how, like, how do I know it's God telling me that this door is closed and that I need to walk through another one or that this is a necessary ending? Like what, any, any way that you would respond to that land? Of- yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I always think of it like, um, you know, when I think, is this, is this a trial that God is, wanting me to continue to walk through, or is this something that he wants me to let go of? I try and think about like, who is getting the glory from this situation? So if this is something that I'm trying to control and to continue to hang on to almost in like a pride way or a control way, or this is the way I want it to be, then I know that long-term that's probably not going to be beneficial. Um, but if it's something where I see that God is getting glory through growing my character, he's getting glory from, um, my ability to through him, of course, to be able to love better or to learn more or to bless somebody else in a way that points to him. I think that's really where the difference comes in. Um, but again, the necessary end book has been good for me because it talks about how we continually almost re-sign up for these things over and over that just continue to take life and energy away from us rather than breathe it into us. And so it's almost kind of this self-detrimental thing that we're doing, but I think it can stem from a fear of loss or a fear of an ending. Um, but if we just push through in faith and we think about that new beginning right behind the door, man, it becomes much more worth it to, to say goodbye and let go. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I was reading a book the other day. I can't remember. I've got, do you ever do this? I have like five books I'm reading and I, oh. I, oh my God, yes. what happened to me? I used to be the girl that would read until I was at the very last page. But now, I mean, my, my apartment looks like a bookstore. It's really ridiculous. Oh yeah. I have a whole bookshelf of unfinished books. Well, and I say that and then I totally forgot what I was going to say. So anyway, it must've been that, it must've been that <laughs> important. But the last thing, just to wrap up here in a, the last couple of minutes we have is you talk a little bit about idols in your book and you talk about entitlement. And I just, as I was reading that I was thinking to myself that we all have idols in our lives. And, you know, idols are, I think I heard uh, Tim Keller once say they're good things that become God things. So Mm -hmm. things in our life that, you know, they're good, but when they become like, I must have this in order to survive, in order to look good, in order to be happy, in order to be satisfied, those are good things to take a look at and see is there, are there any endings to some idols that may be in our lives? But you also talk a little bit about, entitlement, which I think is something that we um, consciously or unconsciously is a huge part of society these days. And even followers of Christ that I like, I'm entitled to be happy. I'm entitled Mm -hmm. to comfort. I'm entitled to this. And just, it really resonated with me. And I thought, you know, we have idols in our lives. We have these things that we feel that we're entitled to and how, and, and as you've been talking about how sacrifice and surrender of 
ourselves of these things is really the gateway to freedom, not holding on to them. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Yeah. I think the distinction for me between this is, um, you know, a wonderful blessing that God has put in my life and I'm going to steward it well and, and enjoy it for whatever season it's here. I think the difference between that and an idol is the statement, I have to have this. So if there's anything that you feel like you have to have or anything you feel like you can't live without, in my experience, those are things that can easily become an issue, a bigger issue than, you know, I even imagined, or again, it's a good thing. But the funny thing is sometimes there are good things in my life, but they, or I think that they're good, but they might not be good for me. And the great thing about a father is that because he's watching over me and because he created me, he knows what things and what traps will be a problem for me specifically. So although it might be a good thing, it might not be a good thing for me. And I think that's a thing that every single person, it's like, we all have to go to God and ask that of, you know, what are some of the things that even though everyone else is doing it, even though everyone else has it, what thing is maybe not ideal for me because of the way that you've built me or because of what you're calling me to do in my future? Ooh, I love that. And I think that's a good action step because one of the things about this podcast is I don't want it just to be information. I really, really want it to be a catalyst for Mm -hmm. transformation. And I think even asking ourselves that question and letting God answer and then being honest and writing some of those things down and letting him start to work on those areas of our lives is a great, great action step. Well, as we wrap up, what, what is something that you really hope that this book accomplishes for your readers? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that it would, I hope that it would set people free, um, to be able to stop running and to stop chasing whatever they feel like is most important. Um, as far as their personal goals go, and instead to take a step back and to um, let go of the, the, the future that, that we hold on to so tightly to say, what is God doing in my life now? And what does he want me to do in the future? Um, and I think even maybe more specifically, how am I able to be used to help other people move forward in life rather than how can I move forward in life? So I think, again, when we take that heart of a servant and we continue to you say, you know, I really want my heart, my goal and my life's purpose to be watching other people around me move forward into their next step toward God, into their next step toward thriving in life and not as much think about how that impacts me. Mm. Then that it, that in and of itself, that state of heart, that's what thriving is all about. Oh, it is. And are making our best contribution to the world that it really isn't about us. It's about, wow, how have we been wired and skilled and gifted mm-hmm. so that Amen. we can make a contribution in that is where life is. Well, Lynn, you are amazing. I just, ah, oh, I get so much energy talking to you. Girl, the word <laughs> I love that, talking to you too. The, the word that came to mind for me, and this is like, this is not a word that I even use a lot, but dynamite, like, like, <laughs> and I want to say dynamite. I don't know if you remember <laughs> that show, but girl, you are just dynamite. And I love what you're up to. I love watching social media. You actually did a cut a video or something last night for Illuminate. Yeah. Coming soon. Mm -hmm. All right. So we'll have to keep our eyes peeled where we can find you at lynnmoyer.com. That's L-Y-N-N-E-M-O-Y-E-R.com. You can find all about Lynn and her awesome business, Illuminate Marketing, marketing, as well as her book and everything else that she is up to. So encourage you to connect with her through social media. Lynn, again, been such a pleasure to be with you, girl. Thanks again, Are you Are you coming to Chicago anytime soon or what? 
I need to. We need to hang out and have have more coffee in person, it sounds like. We do. And I've decided, actually, that I've got so many friends in different places around the U.S. that I want to make like little weekend trips. So uh, Lisa B might be coming to Georgia. Maybe for old time's sake, we could go to Whole Foods. No, we could redeem the experience. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, thanks again. And hey, guys, listeners, you're loved. Pass this podcast on. Share the love with your friends. And hopefully this will be a catalyst for you and for them to live a life that is unleashed, but not just for yourself, but also to make your best contribution to others along the way. You are loved and we'll see you next time.